my granddad like has an iMac and knows how to use it. And my mum looks at a PC like it's genuinely the spawn of Satan. <laughs> See, my mum's not that bad, but my nan and granddad like are the kind of people who I mean, I don't consider them old because they're only like just in their seventies. But I think for the past sort of ten, fifteen years they've had the same DVD player. And I must have shown them how to use it at least thirty five times. And it's like <laughs> if you still can't get a grasp of press button, put disc in, press same button again, press play, you're just never gonna be able to use technology like see i always, you get I always wonder like what's gonna happen when we're 70 will we be like look darian my grandson who has a shit name because that's how <laughs> grandchildren work now i guess it'd be called hashtag like, or something <laughs> like look darian hashtag the fourth i can't convert my brain to the exonet i just don't want to <laughs> Oh, Do you know what bothers me about my granddad, though, and his lack of technology ability is the fact that he can drive. I'm like, oh, my God, we trust you with, like, a machine that could potentially kill so many people, but you, you don't know how to watch... Well. Yeah, you don't know how to watch your copy of Planet Earth that I bought you for your birthday. Like, ah, <laughs> terrifying. one of two DVDs that they own. <laughs> yeah. My granddad's terrible. He owns about, like, umpteen David Attenborough style, like, you know animal type things documentaries and then the odd just like random action film and Sounds it's like a sweet choice it's like really weird ones as well though because it's not like you know like you'd expect him to own like i don't know the expendables or something because it's got stallone in and he likes Stallone. no he owns like 12 rounds it's got john cena in it, and he doesn't know who john cena <laughs> i was gonna is. say the marine but 12 rounds is so much funnier because <laughs> the marine is okay but 12 rounds is just really mediocre like it's aggressively so <laughs> But it's got what's it? Little finger from Game of Thrones is the villain, which is always pretty solid. <laughs> See, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so do you know what? I should probably introduce the episode and like actually start. Yeah. Okay. Episode. Let's do this.
Bonjour, ladies and gents. Welcome to episode 29 of... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that coming and I was like, oh. You have to, you have to leave that in for the, oh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is worse than the first episode of Comic Rats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> episode 29 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. Oh, shooting hell. Um, <laughs> joining me in the parlour... And this virtual parlour of awesomeness, which now is licensed to sell alcohol, apparently, because Sam bought some with him, is the delightful Sam Harrison. Hello, Sam. Hi. I don't know Hello. wave, you can't see, but I don't care. I'm not 100% waving, but I thought about it, like, the whole time. Ah, oh, thanks. I um, I noticed the other day that my mic's really good, and uh, and if I wave vigorously enough, you can hear it. But I'll I can't hear that, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop doing it though, because uh, it's a bit weird. How is it hanging, my friend? Uh, good, strong. Uh, <laughs> other positive adjectives. <laughs> so not uh, short, shriveled, and slightly to the left. No, I mean I always said slightly to the left because I feel like that. But then I was like, oh, but you know, I don't want to be vulgar in like my second <laughs> sentence on the podcast. That's fine. Everybody who listens to this show already knows that it is full of swear words and also pervertedness, so it's fine. Good. I have a lot of swear words to get out of my body when we talk about uh, what, what our subject is. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Anyway, <laughs> before we get there. I was going to, like, normally I do a big thing about how the people that I've got on the show have got a podcast or a comic or something, but you're, like, in between projects, so um, I won't talk about any of yours then because it's non-existent. Yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I'm not really doing anything at the moment. I'm kind of just consuming entertainment. That's good because I, I sometimes find that, like, about two days before I'm due to record an episode, I'm like, oh, shit, I better watch something, huh? <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh... Yeah, I haven't done anything that that really exciting. I spent like four years traveling around for work, and now I, I work in a stockbroker's, which isn't as exciting as it would sound. <laughs> and if you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, it's definitely not that exciting. Do you um, know, I straight up hated Wolf of Wall Street. Did you? Yeah, I thought it was garbage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I am one of the, the only people in the world who thinks this, but I thought it was like a solid three hours of no plot and Leo DiCaprio gurning, and that was it. <laughs> That was it, and I was just like, oh, and the trailers were misleading because they were all like, look at all this McConaughey, and he's in it for, like, two seconds. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in it for, like, maybe five minutes, and he's, like, third billing on the cover. That's ridiculous. And everybody was raving about how great Jonah Hill was in it, and I was just like, I could have done without him entirely. Just cut him out. <laughs> Snippity snip, cut him out, don't need him. Don't need him. I love that he had to learn to talk in that, like, really harsh Queen's accent. But then he also had to learn to talk in the really harsh Queen's accent around giant fake teeth. <laughs> which is brilliant. Do you know, those teeth were crazy pants, weren't they? Like, I was so distracted by those the entire time. I was like, what is going on in there? It was like when Billy Piper came back in Doctor Who and she'd had all that work done on her teeth and she couldn't talk anymore. And I was just like, what's happening in your face? Making <laughs> or, sense. Or when she came back in that fucking, what, Time of the Doctor or whatever it was, the 75th anniversary special, and she looked like the ghost of something that had eaten Billy Piper. <laughs> if that rule that if you eat something... You become it. But then it had also died, and it was now just haunting British science fiction television forever. Terrifying. Like, she, looked, that was... she looked so weird. She really did. And I'll I tell you what, she was another one. Could have done without her. Yeah, she was shit in that episode. She really was. They were like, hey, guys, do you remember the season where Christopher Eccleston was in it? Well, we couldn't get Christopher Eccleston, because he's in Thor 2 now. But, you know, Billy Piper, am I right? 
I just don't appreciate her as an actress at all. Or in anything, really. Like, nah. I feel like the Matt Smith Doctor Who has completely erased my memory of everything that was not Matt Smith Doctor Who. I, do you know, what I find really strange about Doctor Who is that I was all like, when I, when it was all tenant, I was like, yeah, he's brilliant, he's and great, and oh, fuck you, hay fever. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was like all about the tenant, all about those episodes, best Doctor Who ever in the world, couldn't top it. No way. Matt Smith comes in. No, he's the best one ever. And everything everything else that came before is pants. And I actually now, like, really struggle to watch pre-Matt Smith Doctor Who episodes. I 100% I just... struggle to watch pre-Matt Smith episodes. They like, don't seem any good. The only one. Yeah, they really they don't seem any good. David Tennant in. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I am... Um, what was the one that was on the telly the other day? Oh, it was the... Um, Human Nature Family of Blood 2 Parter and I was like oh this one won't be ruined because it's like one of my favourite things ever and I was so bored I was like oh no <laughs> what have you done Matt Smith anyway we were talking about Doctor Who but that's kind of irrelevant because uh, I always talk about Doctor Who so let's talk about the thing that I've been trying to talk about for like three episodes but nobody else has watched it and couldn't get as mad about it as me How I Met Your Mother like I'm going to let you start this what is going to be an inevitable rant <laughs> yep okay so what I, what we need to talk about realistically with How I Met Your Mother is how bad the last episode treated us as fans. Yes. I don't think the episode is necessarily bad. I rewatched it tonight. I watched the pilot, the second episode, and the finale. Right. Just so I could get both ends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Leave, leave it on the table. Just leave it there. Ooh, phrasing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I watched both. Uh, episodes the first two because the the fight the pilot is about the forty five minutes split into two and the same with the finale now like the finale just kind of it gives you everything that you want then takes it away then says nothing good will ever happen to you <laughs> that won't die or leave you and then goes shit we made up our minds that this was the end of the story six years ago that's essentially how that works yeah. I, uh, right, I have got a big problem, spoilers by the way, peeps, I've got a massive problem with Robin in general. I think her character has been written in such a way that nobody can like her, and I don't understand people that do, um, mostly because of how how she treated Barney during that situation where they were both going out with other people and then they had an affair and then they agreed that they would split up with their other halves, but she didn't split up with hers, so she basically, like... Well, Barney broke Nora's heart and then was alone because of Robin. Yeah, good one. Yep. Um, I did not buy their relationship at all when they actually got together and then the lead up to getting married. And then the idea that they would get married at all, like after she's been that much of a ginormous bitch face, was uh, was just like really, I just did not like it at all. But I said, <laughs> Rich sent me an email the day of the finale and he was like, right, what is the worst possible thing that you think could happen uh, tonight <laughs> when we watch this? Because then... Obviously, these things, not all of these things will happen, so we'll be fine. And I was like, well, as much as I hate Robin and Barney as a couple, I would be very annoyed if the entire series is the lead-up to their wedding and then the end of it they get divorced or break up or something, so that would be, the, like, the worst. I was like, right, Barney and Robin break up. That's thing number one that I don't want to happen. Two, the mother dies, which yeah. we already had a feeling that she might because of a little few hints dropped sort of throughout the, the, this series, but I was like, I will not be happy if we introduce the mother and then go, way, but she's dead. And also, then I liked her character more than pretty much every character apart from Marshall, 
yeah. in the final season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was that. She was kind of brilliant. Um, and then the third thing that I did not want to happen was for Ted and Robin to end up together. Because and and my biggest reason for that, aside from Robin being a massive bitch, yeah, is the fact that Ted falls for Robin in like the first episode. And the whole series is about Ted finally fucking letting go of this stupid... Like, he's just had this crush on her for so long and he won't let it go and he won't move on. And I felt like he'd finally developed as a person when he meets the mom and he's like, oh, ooh, somebody I can be with and it's not Robin and hooray. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> finally, move the fuck on, Ted. Shit. Uh, and then, oh, no, she's dead. We'll just get Ted and Robin together because that's fine. Isn't it? <laughs> like, I just felt like it was a, a story of, like, they just, they, well, why would we bother with all the years in between? Why didn't they just get together in series one and the fucking end? Like, <laughs> See, like, now, the problem with me is they spent so long earning Ted getting over Robin. Like, they earned that transition mm. for us as viewers. And then they also spent the whole of the final season proving to us that Robin and Barney should be together. And then in the finale, they're like, Ted's not already over Robin. Robin and Barney shouldn't be together. Uh, Barney's going to be single forever. Uh, Robin's going to fall- Robin and Ted are going to get together. Oh, the mum, by the way, bit of a fleeting thing, only around for like seven years. <laughs> the worst thing about that as well that I found was if you're going to spend an entire series like covering a 48 hour period leading up to a wedding you really shouldn't then spend like an hour covering like a 10 year period in which a ton of shit happens <laughs> like a ton of awesome shit happens like you know they meet the mom a load of awesome stuff happens they have like robin and barney break up but, but barney has a baby what what was this what was this i don't understand like he had a baby with a woman we didn't even fucking see Whose I, name was number thirty-one? Yeah, it's the only like, thing he refers to her as. It, but and somehow it's some sort of life-changing event for him, which I do not understand, like at all. Like none of that made any sense to me. But it's like you say, it felt like they'd spent a lot of time building up to Ted moving on and meeting somebody who was perfect for him, and then literally in like what felt like ten minutes watching it, it's like he gets over Robin, then she dies. <laughs> And the kids were so like weirdly happy to get set like setting him up with uh, Robin, which I thought was so strange. Yeah, I mean, like six years is six years a socially amount a socially acceptable amount of time to be like, yeah, I'm gonna fuck somebody else. I think it, it could be for the actual person, but if like it's hard to use the example of my mom and dad because I don't know my dad at all. But like, if my if my mom and dad say my dad if I didn't like if my dad had died or something, six years later if my mom said, oh, "I want to start going out with this guy who's been my best friend for ages, uh, but who didn't want to marry me in the first place because he didn't want kids, but now he does, so it's cool that I've got you." I would not be like rushing to go. Yeah, of course. Just go out with this guy. That seems legit. Like <laughs> it seemed like a really weird decision on the kids' behalfs to mm. sort of want their dad to go out with somebody who's referred to as their aunt. Because I find that a little bit creepy. <laughs> well, like I think that in the original time frame of the show, it wasn't it wasn't going to run nine seasons. So because the finale set in twenty thirty, because they say that in the first episode, it says yeah twenty thirty. So those kids have to be, like, kind of 15, 16, because he meets the mother in 2013. Now, if he'd met her in, I don't know, 
2010, then he'd have had like 10 years. Yeah. And so it wouldn't have been like, oh, it's been six years since you were banging mum and then she died of, I don't know, some sort of terrible awful. I was going to say, do we even know what she died of? Nope. <laughs> no, she didn't even look that... She looked. She still looked pretty, like, you know, she didn't look that bad in she the hospital fit, bed. She was pretty to be fair. Yeah, she, she was pretty smoking. <laughs> She's the um, callback. She's the original wife in Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, uh, she is as well. Didn't even realise it because of the horrible perm. <laughs> and, like, I rewatched it and was like, oh, shit. So, there you go. Now, anyway, <laughs> so we don't know what she died of. Presumably, it wasn't great because they knew about it long enough in advance that they could take a holiday to the fucking Farhampton Inn, which a place which I would never go under pain of death. <laughs> apart from for the, I assume, incredibly cheap drinks. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I was wondering how uh, how Lily was going to pay for that presumably massive bar tab that she was racking up over that weekend. I know. It's like, Marshall's not that rich. Like, he wasn't he like a... Oh, he's kind of a lawyer, I guess. And she works for that rich dude. And he was about to become a judge. But the judges earn all that much? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how America works. Mm. <laughs> Does anyone? <laughs> My granddad has this amazing story about how a judge gave him a £5 note in, like, 1950, um, <laughs> which was a lot of money. But I won't go into it, but essentially, it was a lot of money. So, you know. Good story. Thanks. <laughs> I hope this is as riveting for your viewers slash listeners uh, as, as it is for us. Oh, dear. Oh, was that the sound of another beer I just heard? Yes. <laughs> yeah, good times. Right, back on track. Yeah, mm. I think that... My biggest problem with the finale, because I don't think, like you say, there were a lot of bits that were still really good and still really funny and still had the heart that the show has always had. My biggest problem with it, I think, was that it, it definitely felt like they wanted us to want... Sorry, my housemate's just come. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> hi, stranger. <laughs> he likes to sing, so carry on. That's fine. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good singer? Um, yeah. No, it felt to me like they really wanted us to want Ted and Robin to get together. And by this point, I am so far past the idea of them as a couple. Like, I do not want it. <laughs> I don't know any single person who thinks that way. Who's like, oh, yeah, Ted and Robin, finally. No, like, I'd, like, I know a lot of people who watch the show. Most of them probably aren't quite as invested as I was because uh, I get a little bit emotionally attached to people and I kind of love Ted. And that little emotional moment that he has with the wife when they hint that she's going to die and not see their daughter's wedding. Um, and he, he almost cries. Yeah. That's fucking awful. And I tell you what, I actually had a genuine cry. In There was an episode a few... I can't remember if it was the series before or right at the start of this series where he sort of wishes that he could travel back like so many days in time so that he could meet the mum earlier and spend more time with her and stuff and he like runs to her door and knocks and he gives her this big spiel about how much he loves her I actually had I actually shed a little tear at that because I was like oh my god Ted you're so sweet and then because of the sort of rush job that the last few episodes were because even though like six years just sound like a really long time but then because it was shown in like the space of like an hour it felt like it was just, like, such a brush aside. Like, oh, I met this woman, she was the love of my life. Ah, she's dead, I don't care. Who can I move on to now? <laughs> like... Who's the only single member of the cast who's male? Not male. <laughs> that would have been a much better show. I was going to say, I would have preferred Ted to end up with Barney, I think. That would have been a pretty great show. I, I think mean, like, so. if they'd been like, you're right, Dad. 
You are a big gay. Yeah. You love Uncle Barney. <laughs> we can tell all from all the stories. Time. Yeah. And then uh, and then they just sing like a really big sort of Broadway-style number and that's the end. I would have loved yeah. that, actually. That would have been wicked. Yeah, so in the alternate universe where that happened, mm-hmm. I'm much happier about that ending. <laughs> Me too. And Barney hasn't got a baby with a random stranger in that ending either in my head. Yeah. Okay, I'll go with that. Although I actually got, uh, when I rewatched it, I got some... I got some uh, emotional goosebumps at Barney and the baby. So. It was it was sweet, but it felt forced. Because I think the problem is when you've set up a character like Barney and then gone, oh, but he's changed and he's got married. But then it was like, oh, no, they've got divorced because he hasn't really changed. And then they were like, oh, no, he's changed. He's definitely changed. It was like, um, no, like, fucking stick to your guns. Either he's Barney or he's a grown-up. Like, <laughs> So I think decided. the... The best concept for that season, which is what they failed to execute on, really, would have been that the first, like, four episodes should have been the Farhampton Inn. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the season, the other 20, could have been a year an episode. Yeah. Like, I think that would have been really good if they'd just gone, these are the highlights of this year. This is the big event from that year. Um, and, you know, like, the problem I think that you would have there is that Robin isn't in a lot of it. Um, and she wasn't in the finale a lot because she was doing movies, I think. I think she was doing Captain America or something. Mm-hmm. So she couldn't be in the finale that much. That's why she has such a low presence compared to the other characters. And also, Jason Segel's been phoning it in for, like, three years. Like I have a struggle with... Like, I absolutely adore him. I really do. And I think I think he did the best he could with what he had for a lot of it. But I think his problem was that they were, they were really stretching some concepts. <laughs> like... Mm. You know, like you say, to cram 10 years into, like, two episodes at the end when you had one episode that was entirely done in rhyme that had nothing to do with anything. Why, <laughs> why, would, you, why would you waste your time on rhyming Marshall? <laughs> Marshall is so great. And, like, he's clearly the most talented actor of the set, mm-hmm. like, comedy-wise. And, you know, he... You watch the pilot again, like I did last night, and all the best jokes are Marshall's, like, hands down. Like, uh, Barney has, like, two good ones. And then you can see why I didn't really like Lily until, like, season three. And then still didn't like her very much because she kept fucking Marshall around. <laughs> Do you know, I, uh, I, Lily's an odd one for me because towards... At the very start, I thought she was great until she broke up with him. And then I never understood why they got back together. And then after, like, a season or so, I was like, oh, no, I get it now. And then she just became a twat again. Like, in the last series, she drove me potty because I just thought her whole outlook on their situation with the two clashing jobs and stuff. Like, you know, he's been working at being a lawyer slash you know, a judge for yonks. And she just decides what she wants to do randomly, depending on what fucking falls in her lap. <laughs> it's like, you can't... Plus, it's not stable for a baby, you lunatic, to just be swanning around buying art. That's not a stable job. Anyway, I'm ranting. But I No, think... that, the, that whole thing is bullshit. The fact that they even went to Rome at the end shows how, number one, pussy-whipped Marshall is. Yes. Number two, how little... I don't know... Like, he's just obsessed with her. Like, he says in the first episode, they're talking about the olive theory. Mm. And Barney's like, by the way, last week, Greek restaurant, you ate some olives. What up? (laughs) And Marsha goes, all right, it was my first date with Lily. I was 18. I was a virgin. I had a Greek salad. She said, can I have your olives? And I said, yeah, sure, whatever. And I've been telling her I don't like olives ever since. And, like, that's their whole relationship Mm. is that she always gets the olives. And Marshall's like, I didn't really like olives anyway. That is true. 
I don't know. I just I think this whole like last series was really weirdly paced, mm-hmm. and it had a lot of stuff in there that I don't think like needed to be there really. I um, think that they originally wanted a twelve episode order. That would have made season, more sense. <laughs> and NBC were like, "Well, no, because we get a lot of advertising money from you, so twenty four, please." Uh, and they were all contractually bound to have to do it. Mm. I think they've come out and said the producers that they wanted a shorter season. But still, maybe don't base it all on one weekend and then skip 20 years. Yeah. Especially when in the final episode, all the stuff with Ted and the mother was incredible. Like, they had so much chemistry I and do... they had maybe 20 minutes on screen together. Yeah, it really bothered me as well that they built up everybody else meeting her first and everybody else loving her. Because that, like, it just, ugh, she just fit so well. And, it, and then it was, yeah, like you say, just totally just shoved to one side, like, in favour of some numpty <laughs> as you can see I'm not happy with the way that it ended well the funny thing is if you watch that whole episode and then just turn it off when they kiss when they get married <laughs> it's great do you know me and Rich were there going the end the end like at that part because Robin's like... really unhappy because you know she's been shit at everything for nine years mm-hmm. Barney's finally happy because he's got the baby. Marshall and Lily. Marshall's become a judge. Lily's having a third baby. They don't live in the flat anymore. And, like, Ted has married the mother. Boom. End. <laughs> Last six minutes. Ignored. Perfect Those didn't ending. happen. Yeah, I think I might just, like, from now on, if I ever rewatch it, is just, like, not watch that part. Uh, I did enjoy rewatching the finale. Like, you can see... It's still, you know, the best sitcom finale of all time, in my opinion, is still the Scrubs finale where they did the time skip, you know, but they showed it as, like, a montage. Yeah. Uh, and that was, like, probably the most emotional I've ever been watching a TV show. Oh. Like, there have only been a couple of times where I've been like, oh, And, like, I would have hugged a pillow during that finale <laughs> if I'd had one nearby. That's exactly what you need to see, you know. They had that happy ending that they'd always planned in Scrubs where Elliot got together with JD, but it didn't feel forced because they'd spent a season building it up. Yeah. They hadn't spent a season going, Ellie and JD will never be together. Never. <laughs> I think the worst part for me is the whole thing about um, like the reasons that Robin and Ted broke up beforehand. Because like, she was all like, no, I don't ever want to get married. I don't ever want to have kids. And then she finds out she can't have kids and then she wants kids because she can't have kids. Um, so it kind of felt like by the end, it wasn't any more like how I met your mother. It was more like how I met the lady who'd give me some kids and then die. So the person I actually want to be with who didn't want kids originally but does now can have some kids without actually having to push them out of a vagina. That's <laughs> essentially the show, yeah. How I, met, how I met your mother and then was like, eh. How I met your mother and then thought, I'm glad she's dead. Like, <laughs> which is essentially how it ends. It's like... well, or at least the kids are like, yeah, you know, we don't really remember her that much. But Aunt Robin, she's a banger. Like, still would. <laughs> what annoys me as well is that it doesn't make sense for that to be the ending when he keeps saying, like, throughout, ah, but no, that's not your mum. Because they obviously know that Robin's not their mum. Because, because they'd still be living with their mum because she would be there because she's not dead and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, oh, I don't know. Uh, in the recap, though, when he says, oh, that's how I met your Aunt Robin, like, the way that he, he's... Because he's telling the story without actually... Tell, use, he doesn't use her name in the pilot. Mm. Bob Saget doesn't. So he could conceivably have been trolling them the whole time. <laughs> 
Does, is the Bob Saget voice ever explained? They don't use it in the finale, do they? I think they do up until Ted stops telling the story. Right. No, so wait. then his voice just soon miraculously as... changes back to normal. <laughs> as soon as the uh, as soon as the wedding happens, it becomes uh, Josh Radner and not Bob Saget. Right. That's weird. Yeah. Ben. What was the point of Bob Saget anyway? Uh, they wanted a voice that sounded like Ted but older. But d- d- mm. maybe they just didn't want to pay Ted for two roles. I was going to say, do men's voices change that much over that sort of a period of time? I don't know. Like, because I think once your balls have dropped, like until you're about seventy or something, your voice ain't going to be that different, is it? Yeah, Unless you like move house. Same as he did twenty years ago. You know, when I was a kid, like sounds pretty much the same. Yeah, because I think like, like, my uncle sounds basically the same as as like as far back as I can remember his voice, and my granddad. I can't, I can't even, no, that seems weird. Anyway, that's not really a issue. <laughs> no, no, Bob Saget did a fine job. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, it just didn't really make a lot of sense. But we'll let him off because, you know, somebody offers you a job, you'd do it, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> if, if he was on Entourage playing himself and uh, he played a coke-addled prostitute-addicted version of himself, as far <laughs> as I remember. Brilliant. Uh, and he lived next door to all the characters of Entourage and was trying to always get them to do blow and uh, buy hookers with him. So, you know, actually, I think you probably just hire hookers. I don't think you buy them. I think you have to. I was going to say, just purchase them for, for you forever. Yeah. <laughs> don't think that's legal. Yeah, well, you know. I'm not going to do any investigation into that. Um... It's a grey area. <laughs> I've never watched Entourage, should I? Uh... All right, so if I tell you that Entourage is based on Mark Wahlberg's life, <laughs> does that make you more yes. or less inclined to watch it? Definitely more. Also, they had the guy who is Matt Dillon's brother playing the version of Donnie Wahlberg, like the in-universe version of Donnie Wahlberg, and he's called Johnny Drama. Uh, he's pretty funny. One of the characters is called Turtle. I don't <laughs> think I know his real name. One of the guys is called E. Which is, I think, short for Eric. I was gonna say good names. Yeah, it's the, essentially the show is about looking cool, being baller, and having lots of money, <laughs> uh, and yeah. shouting and swearing at people, and being semi-racist and semi-homophobic. Well, I don't know if I can get behind those things, but it does seem quite fun. Rich watches it, um, but it's one of those annoying things where he's put like DVDs on his wish list, and there he's got like series two. And four and five or something, and it's like fuck. So, uh, but I'm, I would imagine most stuff like that is on like Netflix and stuff now, isn't it? Mm. I'm sure I'd be able to figure. Well, it's out HBO, so you could you could you know find it on the internet for free. I'm just saying, <laughs> probably available. <laughs> most things are, yeah. Mm. Now, uh, how I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, I really liked it. I felt like the final season was the funniest season since maybe season five or six. I felt like they really put a lot of effort into it. Mm. Um, and I feel also, I feel like they had to put more effort into it because Marshall essentially isn't in it. Yeah. So the writing is a bit better because I know he improvised a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. So they actually had to work on the writing, whereas before it was semi-improvised sometimes. Neil Patrick Harris kind of pussied out of the whole final season. Like he doesn't have that much in the way of jokes, but the, the Karate Kid reference, the constant Karate Kid <laughs> joke, Yes. That ongoing joke is incredibly funny. I do think that the series had a lot of stuff about it that I really liked. I just, I feel like the ending was very sort of, 
I don't know the best word for it. It just felt like really sort of like slapped together in about ten minutes, and it just wasn't. Not yeah, hour. it just wasn't the outcome anybody wanted, except <laughs> the people that were making it from the start. Um, and I feel like they were hampered as well because they filmed that scene where the kids are talking to Ted in season three, I think it was, mm. when they could still conceivably be teenagers, when they were like, oh, okay, so this is going to go on for a while. We'll need to film a few. So they filmed, like, 20 minutes worth of scenes. Mm. And then, like, that was it. And then those kids are now, like, 25. So they can't... They couldn't redo the finale. So in order to have it bookend with him talking to the kids, they had to go with their original storyline no matter how unearned and shit it was <laughs> well me and rich were talking though and we said like what would be more satisfying because once they'd like sort of hinted that she was gonna die we were like would you be happier with like her dying and then ted ending up with somebody else like robin or like her dying and that being the end of the series <laughs> like the, the last shot is like him and the kids under the yellow umbrella at a grave or something and i was like oh actually yeah that's really depressing that would have been a, a dark as fuck ending. Really, it really would have, wouldn't it? It would have been very ballsy of them to do. Mm. And everybody was kind of expecting that, I think. So when it was kind of a happy ending for the characters, I wasn't as unhappy. Yeah. I liked some of the book ending they did with the blue French horn mm. uh, and the whole replay of the scene where he uh, where she opens the window because her future TV doesn't work. <laughs> I uh, I you see I don't know if if that was what put me off the ending to be honest because like when you're not entirely sold on a character as I am not on Robin at all it felt too twee to me that they were getting together like it was too like I don't know I just it's hard to explain I just felt like it just would never have happened and I know and it's been, Tilly but <laughs> ah. she's been missing for so long out of their lives and yet. The kids know all about her and have a great relationship with her. Mm. And yet Lily's like, haven't seen Robin in a while, like four times in that finale. Yeah, it did seem a bit strange. It's, it's you know, it's the really serious, unfortunate reliance that they have on that season three idea of where the series is going. And I think that if in the show had ended at season seven, like a lot of good sitcoms do, or season five, they wouldn't have had that problem. They could have introduced the mother, you know, beginning of that season and then, like, earned that relationship. Or they could have earned the relationship and then earned the death and then earned the... Earning it is something that I'm obsessed with when it comes mm -hmm. to the show because it just didn't do it. Mm. Yeah, I think the problem is, is that I actually, because I took to the mother so, so much so quickly, I felt like this is the perfect person for him. Can't wait to see mm. where this goes. And then it was like five minutes oh, this here is or where there. This goes. Yeah, it's like five minutes here and there. Oh, it's dead. Oh, oh shit. Like <laughs> that's that then. Uh, mm, that's a bit. Oh, like I felt like she needed. I feel sorry for the bird who played her because I don't think she. <sighs> well, you remember her episode that was depressing as fuck. Yeah. Where like everyone she loved died, and then she broke up with her boyfriend because she didn't love him, and then she met Ted like ten minutes later. Yeah. Pretty awesome. That was bad times. It was bad times, but it was pretty. Like I just, I just really took to her, and I thought I could get behind so many more episodes of her. <laughs> and then when it was like two episodes, barely any her, and now she's dead. I was like, well, you've kind of like it was that. an amazing casting choice. Like every casting in that show is great. Mm. Like the episode with Taron Killen in it, 
where they've got that guy who's kind of a douche that nobody likes, but then everybody also likes him. Gary Blauman. That's a good episode. Yeah. Like, that's quite funny. And it shows us the fate of all the other ancillary characters. So it's like, Carl finally bought the bar, sort of <laughs> shit. Like, that was good. You know, they had such a actually return to form final season. Like, I genuinely enjoyed a lot of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I said to a friend of mine that's a huge How I Met Your Mother fan, I was like, I genuinely laughed for the first time at How I Met Your Mother in maybe two years, this episode. And it was like one of the first episodes in the season. Mm-hmm. But still, going back to the beginning episode and just crying with laughter watching that pilot again today like there are two or three amazing jokes uh, they've all been driven to death by the later seasons mm. but watching them with kind of a fresh eye was really funny did it like because i haven't watched an awful lot of it since the finale um mostly because i tend to turn over on the channel when it seems to be playing the same episode that i see practically every time and it's always that one where robin goes to the bar that Marshall likes and then they kick her out because it's Canadian. Um, the Wisconsin bar. Yeah, that is always. Wisconsin? It's like uh, a, it's a Minnesota. Minnesota. Right? Yeah. Um, Little Minnesota. Yeah, like that is always on. So I'm just sick to death of that episode now. But have you found since like watching episodes since the finale that it feels any different? Like now that you know where it's going. It's weird because in the first season, in the first few episodes, they don't try and give Robin any jokes. Mm-hmm. She's not funny. She's an object for Ted's obsession for the first two episodes. Like, she is not inherently funny. The jokes are about what Ted's trying to do to get her. Mm-hmm. So, like, it feels like a wacky band of sitcom misfits and a regular normal-ass person <laughs> with no real personality who's like, I'm really hot, how's it going? So it's quite strange to watch those first two. I might rewatch the first season, to be honest, because it's incredibly funny. The, the end of the first season, though, makes me cry, like, every time, even though I know what's coming. When Ted's all, like, coming back, the block party's playing in the background, Ted's all chuffed because he's had a snog, and, uh, and like, Marshall's just sitting there having a cry on the porch. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Uh, Punched in the heart. <laughs> that was such a twist. Like, they love... The, the ghost guys who wrote it love, like, Shyamalan twists. Mm. I think they've that's done it why, every fucking season. I think that's why I was expecting something less predictable from the ending like something less oh ted and robin end up together because they've had bits like that or like the episode where marshall's dad dies like that was like a punch that was in the great holy crap like jason siegel's acting in that like straight up makes me want to have a cry he's so oh he's so cute but like he's a like, great actor he's so funny and like he's got that whole like holding it together for everyone else thing going on mm. that like my my step-granddad died just before Christmas, and, like, you could see it on my stepdad's face. Like, he was doing the I'm holding it together for the family thing because, mm. like, his brothers were a mess, and, you know, he's the oldest brother, and he just had to deal with it. And, like, you can see the exact same thing coming from Marshall. Uh, it's it's a fantastic... He's fantastic. You know, yeah. can't talk enough. But that's what I found really odd about the way they chose to end it is that they've never been scared before of like kicking you in the dick with something horrendous <laughs> so, like mm. just to make you have a cry or to just like turn everything on its head so for it to end in such a twee been, fashion, i think it would have been interesting if the downer for the episode had been just that robin just kind of left their lives and she wasn't really in it yeah like that could have been the downer you know that the whole final season was about barney and robin and then we see that neither of them are really that important that, that you know it's always been about ted Mm. but 
because the focus point of that final episode was Robin, you know, the final episode is all about Ted and Robin. Like, it's all about her character, really. Every scene, whatever's going on, everyone's like, wish Robin was here. <laughs> where's Robin now? Yeah, it's like, where's fucking Wally, but with a <laughs> not very good character that no one likes as much as Christina Malloy. Oh, Tracy. Tracy is such a shit name. <laughs> Oi, like, that's very close to my name, and I quite often <laughs> get called Tracy, so fuck off, yeah. Yeah, Stacy is different. Like, like Tracy is the most like, why Tracy? <laughs> Do you know? I was lamenting the other day on the internet about how sad I am that there aren't that many famous Stacys who aren't crap, and because like the only ones I could think of was like Stacy from Wayne's World, and well, you know, <laughs> and uh, there was a Stacy in EastEnders that I'm vaguely aware of, who I don't think was is up it? to much either. <laughs> a Gavin and Stacy? You got the title. Title of a title of a character there. That's true. Never watched that show. Me neither. I imagine she's probably not that great. <laughs> Dunno. What I found recently is that there are very few like uh, characters called Sam in TV shows or movies. But when I see one, I'm like, oh yeah, me and this guy. Like <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> Sam's oh. not even an uncommon name. And then like I was watching a show with I can't remember his name now. The guy who's like budget Ryan Gosling, who's in the new TV version of About a Boy, and his character was called Sam in another thing, and I was like, oh yeah, me and this guy, yeah, I like him now. <laughs> that was it. See, you just have the same name as me, and I'll think you're all right. See, with me, it's like most Stacys, they're just not up to snuff. We need to get more Stacys. Wearing a leather jacket in the episode <laughs> that I watched of that thing, so I was like, I've got a leather jacket. We could be friends. <laughs> You know, I was contemplating buying a leather jacket the other day for a costume, and then I just thought, what am I thinking? I can't pull off a leather jacket. Oh, <laughs> fool. <laughs> yeah, I don't wear it very often. I just have it. I think you've, you've got the, the chops to pull off a leather jacket, though. Like, I just don't think I have, you know, being a slightly chubby bird. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a slightly chubby guy. Although now, all right, sidebar, I had my uh, my beard professionally groomed this month for the first time ever. Oh dear. So I went to the hairdresser and I said to, well, barber, because, you know, manly. My barbershop is called Strongman Gentleman Mustache Barbers. <laughs> yes. It's great. Uh, it's opposite my house, which is pretty convenient. But the name is essentially why I go. And I said to the guy, oh, I've lost the clippers from my beard trimmer. Where do you, uh, do you know where I could get some? He's like, you could buy some online or I'll just do it for you. I was like, all right. And he like, use scissors instead of like a trimmer. Yeah. It was a bit of an odd sensation having a man like really all up on my face with a blade. But yeah, uh, terrifying. Yeah. So there you go. Sidebar, the, uh, sidebar conversation of this last 10 minutes. <laughs> bit professional beard trimming. Better than you'd expect. And lasts quite a while. It's been like two weeks. Is it slightly uncomfortable, though? Because I don't like... I mean, I think hairdressers get a bit too up in my grill. And that's the back of my head. So I mm. don't know if I would enjoy such a close... Ugh, no. Well, I, I, I've been going there for, like, six months, so I kind of know the guy now. But still, like, it was still a bit like when he first started, I was like, I'm not sure I like this. I wish my <laughs> girlfriend knew how to do this. <laughs> get her trained and then... <laughs> yeah, well, you know... I'm I'm just uh, I'm just hoping that she'll like eventually be like, can I iron your shirts for this week for work? And I'll be like, yes. <laughs> That's it. That's all I want. I hate ironing. Do you know? Like, I all can't... the other chores in the house are my fa- are fine. 
it sounds really terrible, but I can't remember the last time I ironed anything that I've worn. <laughs> I'll just, like, stretch it a little bit and then be like, ah, it looks fine. Just put it on. <laughs> <laughs> See, so like, terrible. like a collared shirt. Like, I have to wear like a full suit to work. Oh yeah, and, you like, can get away with that. When I wear a collared shirt, I can't wear that without ironing it. Like, I've got a waistcoat, so I can get away with like ninety percent unironed. Mm. But like, oh, and my washing machine has an ironing setting, which is great. But the hotter it gets, the less I can wear the waistcoat. And this is just a big drama for me, really. <laughs> oh, I love all these tangents. So, anyway. I think we should probably move on from How I Met Your Mother now. And, I was uh, literally just about to say, maybe we should start ranting about How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've earned it. Uh, <laughs> Somewhat like How I Met Your Mother. Uh, so, Sick in bird. summation, yeah, still pretty funny, not a great ending. That's what I'll say. Yep. There we go. Uh, the ending was more dramedy than sitcom, which was fine, because that's kind of the way they'd skewed. Mm. But I still wanted a couple of jokes, you know. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk, let's get real. <laughs> what else did you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I went to see X-Men Days of Future Past and thought it was pretty tits. I went into it kind of fresh because I've not read the Days of Future Past comics, which... I have lot, not either. A lot of people keep saying to me, oh, you should have can't read Call Yourself a Nerd, no, fucking hell, bleh. And I'm like, I can't read literally everything, like... You know, fuck. <laughs> um, hey, man, the 80s were like 30 years ago. I'm like, yeah, just... do you know what? This was probably even pre-Fetus Stace. So, you know, like I don't know, actually, what, what what year did it come out? I want to say early 80s. It's probably like 93. <laughs> I've got the internet. I was going to say, if it's early 80s, then it was definitely pre-Fetus me. But um, I only discovered comics in 2005. Give me a chance to catch up, will you? No, I thought, I think going into something not knowing the exact plot kind of helps because a lot of films that I go and see, I think, well, pff, ooh, ooh, that's not quite how I would have done it or, like, oh, based on that, that doesn't make sense or, like, you know, just, like, picking it apart. But because I didn't really know how to pick this apart other than I liked this and I didn't like this because it, it I actually think I enjoyed it a lot more than a lot of other comic films that I've seen. Because 1981, I by the way. Oh, there we Definitely pre-fetus me. Huzzah! Uh, yeah, so we can let me off for that one then. Um, mm-hmm. I will read it eventually, I'm sure, but um, just not yet. So, like, I wasn't spending ages going, oh, well, it, you know, because like, I'm aware that a lot of people are angry that it wasn't Kitty Pride going back in time, but I don't really care. Whatever, <laughs> nobody cares about Kitty Pride. <laughs> I don't think it makes that, that much of a difference like, anyway. Yeah, like, whatever, Juno was all right, but it wasn't all that. Your microphone sound has just gone really, like, bubbly. How's that better? Vaguely. <laughs> oh, it Just... might be because I put my I put the move the laptop, so now my body is between me and the microphone receiver. Oh. How's that? That's definitely better. Okay, <laughs> it was literally my my body was blocking the laptop and the microphone. Oh. Because it's wireless. It's very exciting. I don't trust myself with wireless things because I just be like, why aren't you working? And it's me not connecting it properly. Anyway. Days of Future Past. I liked it a lot. There was a lot of stuff that I really, 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 really loved and, like, only one or two things that I thought were a bit weird. Namely, and it has no bearing on the plot whatsoever, so I don't know why it's got me so annoyed. But it was, you know, that little plot... You have seen it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good times. Um, You know that little point about um, Magneto being in Special Fancy Prison because he shot JFK? Or they're saying he did. And he's 
excuse was like, no, no, like the bullet curved because I was trying to save him. But I don't believe that a man who has the precision to like do what he does with metals would curve a bullet to actually hit someone. Because if curving it made it shoot hit him, then surely it was going off course already and he would have bloody well known that. So that like kind of pissed me off because it then made me think that either he's fibbing or, like, Xavier's really naive. <laughs> I mean, I just got quite mad. And then I was, I got to the end and I was like, that doesn't... It's not even a point why are you so upset. <laughs> but I like to get mad about things occasionally, as we've seen about how much your mother. But, like, when you think that that's, like, probably my biggest niggle from the whole thing, I think I can let it off. Yeah. No, like, uh, I think my annoyances for the movie were probably the anti-brain powers pro-walking serum that Professor X had. See, um, that didn't bother me so much, but I just... Uh, I think it gave him an arc to overcome. Yeah. And I get that. Like, it was interesting. Also, the Quicksilver costume was absolute garbage. But do you know, like, I do not have a problem costume. with that, because I don't think it was a costume. I think it was a kid throwing on some clothes and sticking some goggles on so that things don't fly in his eyes at top speed. <laughs> Why were they all silver paint? I just... All right. It was quick, and he wore a lot of silver cool and maybe that's where he gets his super i was gonna say it's really literal (laughs) like quicksilver is incredibly cool like um like one of the coolest uh mutants in my opinion or like one of the most interesting from a character perspective because he's a complete asshole (laughs) but he has a super great reason for being an asshole it's just that he's impatient because everything takes forever because like he experiences life at super speed at all times and like so he just sees everything in super slow-mo at all times. Mm. So it's like his entire life is waiting for that person who doesn't know what they're doing at the cash machine. <laughs> oh, like, no. that's it. Ah. He, explains, he explains it as that in an X Factor book once. He's like, my whole life is waiting for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing at a cash machine to get on with themselves. Because <laughs> he's like, I could do this within one second. And you're like, I guess I'll eat this soup. <laughs> I was going to say, it must be like, the, in, like when I worked in retail, one of my biggest like issues, and this was me like working on the till as well, it wasn't even being part of a queue, was when you'd spend ages like scanning people's stuff and then you'd tell them how much it was and that's when they decide to get their wallet out and then they have a slow <laughs> rifle through and say, oh, have I got enough notes? I don't know, let me have a look at what change I've got. Oh, I don't think I've got enough, I'll have to put it on my card. Well, which card shall I put it on? And then they rifle through their cards and, they, and they're really slow about putting in the pit and I'm just like you knew you were going to have to pay for this stuff get shit together <sighs> anyway <laughs> yeah it's 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 pretty awful the the, the whole problem yeah, the whole problem that I have with that is just that Quicksilver is great and that that actor kind of only half did Quicksilver mm. and also they don't reference that he's Magneto's kid they vaguely you know. did I oh, don't they know like oh my mum knew a guy called Eric once that, well, that my mum knew a guy who could do that with metal I think oh uh, yeah <laughs> Which you would kind of think, I bet not many people can. This might be the guy. <laughs> use, it, use your head, Quicksilver. I, see, I love Quicksilver, but I think it's mostly because I, I'm not aware of it. I haven't read much in the way of X-Men, like, ever. Um, X-Men is, like, my comics blind spot as well. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I've, you know, I've turned from DC to Marvel in the last few years to the point where I now don't read any DC books at all. Ooh. But uh, I, I only vaguely started reading x-men after avengers versus x-men yeah me too i was gonna say because i've i think i've read the dark phoenix stuff 
like that one trade. And uh, and then I started with yeah, it was after um after all that business as well. So yeah, I'm not like so I don't really know anything about Quicksilver. And I thought the way that they portrayed his powers, particularly in the scene in the kitchen after the prison breakout, was totally fucking badass. Yeah, well, he definitely like his powers steal the show as being the most oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where you kind of wish he was in the rest of the film then as well. You're like, oh, is he? Yeah, going? the fact that it's like essentially a 15 minute cameo is pretty annoying. Mm. Especially when he could have come in handy quite a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, he would be pretty useful. Uh, I like the fact that the only character in costume is Magneto in the whole film. None of the X Men in the past wear a costume at all. They all just wear leather jackets and like <laughs> flannel shirts. It's the same. I tell you what, I was who was I talking about this with the other day? But I said like the thing I found the funniest about the film was like they send Wolverine back and like they want you to know immediately, even though they've already told you they're sending him to like seventy three or whenever it is. They want you to know immediately that it's the seventies. So what do they show you? A lava lamp and a waterbed. Because because yep. what says seventies more than a lava lamp and a waterbed? Eh. And then doesn't he steal a giant Cadillac? I believe he's wearing, so, like, yeah. The most 70s T-shirt that you have ever seen. Yeah. Like, John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever is like, damn. <laughs> nice. I tell you what, though, like, I've got to, I've got to say, as much as uh, people probably hate me for this, because you know how everybody whinges about all oh, women getting objectified in comic, comics and films and stuff and blah blah blah. I've got to say though, that gratuitous bit of Hugh Jackman bottom at the start. I could have, I could have seen a bit more of that. I'll be honest. I could have, I could have gone for a full scene of that. I reckon. Hugh <laughs> Jackman has got his ass out in three X Men movies in a row now. That's fine like, by me. Fine like, by me. He's just, he's just pushing those films further and further to the point where he can just get his dick out, like full on. Just helicopter to camera. <laughs> just full on to camera, full nude, dick out, just being like, "You're right, bub," and then he'll like, I don't know light a cigarette off his pubic stubble or something and just be like Shh, and then just, and just light up that would be a cigar obviously because Wolverine uh, and they'll be like bub and Cyclops will be like oh, I wish I had Wolverine's dick and then that'll be it that'll be the end of X-Men 5 like that's it that's it I would tune in for that I'll be, I'll be honest <laughs> I think I would watch that. Like, when, you know, we all saw Django Unchained. We all saw, I think, Jamie Foxx's uh, penis when he was being hung in that movie. And, you know, pretty damn well hung, uh, to quote Blackadder. Now, I think that Exposed Dick is selling movies. Well, see, I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm not prudish at all, as anybody knows who listens to this show. But for some reason, <laughs> I find penises really funny. So I, <laughs> I don't think I would be sold on the idea of a penis just being in a film. Uh, because especially if it's supposed to be a fairly serious moment, because I will laugh. I'll just, just laugh at it. We all saw Watchmen with that giant, like, three-storey tall dick. Oh, man, just swinging in the breeze. Just swinging yeah. in the breeze. One of my favourite things about Watchmen is that they had the balls, no pun intended, to <laughs> have his dick out for the majority of that movie. Yeah. I think. Well, I think when you, you know, with the, the rest of the themes of the film, I think a, a big blue dick is, is not really much to get your knickers in a twist about, is it? It's not even that weird. Like, it's blue, I guess. Like, yeah. I think go. I'd have been more concerned if he chose to just wear pants because he's not the kind of character who would be concerned with, like, you know, people being worried about his dick being out. Yeah, well, like, I love that if you read if you read closely through the book, you see that his outfit gets smaller and smaller every time <laughs> and he's just straight up nude murdering people in Vietnam. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't laugh at that. Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty harsh. You're going to really have to edit this episode because we have just tangented. Nah, it's fine. I'm keeping it all in and I'm just going to cut out the bit where I sneezed at the start. What? That was really funny. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> the worst part was is that I could hear it in my own voice when I was saying episode 29 because I sounded like I had a cold. And I was like, <laughs> here it comes. Bloody hay fever. Anyway, <sighs> X-Men, yeah. Uh, X-Men. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would say that is the best X-Men film yet. Yeah. That and first class are the best too. Uh heartily enjoyed it. Can't wait for the next one. Uh, every actor in it was great. Yep. And they've reset the status quo to a, a place which I can get involved in it again because yeah. Cyclops is still alive. Well, see, I am not that fussy about Cyclops. I am more interested to see now what happened with the whole Dark Phoenix thing because like if X Two and three I didn't think that happen. what they're going to do is they're just going to do the Dark Phoenix story that Brian Singer wanted to do in like two movies' time. I hope I think so. He's just going to do it and be like, "Fuck you, X Men 3. <laughs> I hope so because I like in my head, if I'm being logical about things, which doesn't make sense because this is an entirely illogical universe. But still, um, if I'm being logical about it, them changing like the sort of human side of the past in terms of the mutant testing and all that like sentinel bollocks is not going to have any effect on whether or not the phoenix force comes to earth and decides to implant itself in jean gray so in my head it must have still happened or be about to happen uh now i don't think the phoenix force was a thing in x-men 3 i think the phoenix was like her dark personality and she just <laughs> named it the phoenix like yeah, there was no spaceship involved well i think it should be spaceship and i think it should happen again because it's a, it's an awesome idea. But then again, do I want to see them rehash something old? And instead, would I rather they just do more new shit? Because, like you say, first class and this have been pretty tits. And both times, James McAvoy's made me have a little cry in the cinema. Which is pretty pathetic. But uh, I'm like, <laughs> this episode's making it sound like I just cry at anything, and I don't. I really don't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just that we're talking about things that are very emotional. Yeah, like well, that, that, that first one when he's all like, "I can't feel my legs," I was like, "Oh no." That's bad. That is bad, Juju. Like, that that whole bit, you're like, mm. oh, come on, Charlie. Stand <laughs> like, up. Just stand up. Just just sit up even. Yeah, come I was, on, Chuck. You can do it. No, I think he's so totally wonderful. And I kind of agree in the sense that about the serum, uh, this is going back to what you were saying about 25 minutes ago, um, <laughs> because I think the problem with me for that is that you can't see how that Charles can end up being the Patrick Stewart Charles because Patrick Stewart Charles, in my head, would never have decided to throw his powers to one side in preference of walking because he seems like the kind of guy who'd be reasonable in his head about it because he'd be like, yeah, whilst it sucks that I can't walk, I'm pretty sure I know people who can sort me out with, like, robot legs or a badass wheelchair or something. Like, I know people who can sort the legs part of this situation out. So I'll just keep my powers and just figure it out as I go along. Like, I would, I could never envision him deciding that he would rather walk than have his powers. And that's what threw me a bit. But, like you say, it gave him something to overcome. And when he did, it was all like, and a little cold again. The bit when he, like, sat into the wheelchair and he pulled it out of the wardrobe was like, oh. Yeah, 70s-looking wheelchair. But, like, also, real talk, slight rewind. Me and my girlfriend are sat watching this movie in the cinema. And she loves X-Men movies. Like, she's a genuinely... She's probably watched them more times than I have. Mm-hmm. And she's watching Days of Future Past. And she turns to me and she goes, When did Captain Picard, Professor Xavier, not be dead? 
He's dead. He died in X-Men 3. He got vaporised to the atoms. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, now, in the credits for The Wolverine, <laughs> that movie no one saw, even I watched on Blu-ray. I went to see, see it. She's alive. No, what gets me about that, though, is don't didn't they transport, well, like, sort of capture his essence, kind of, and stick it in somebody else? So it makes sense that his consciousness is alive, but why does it look like him still? And also... Why is he still alive when that movie's set in, like, what, 2028 or whatever? Yeah. Like, it's set slightly in our future, isn't it? Like, mm. at least five or ten years. Yeah. So, like, 2020. And he's, like, in his 30s in the 70s. <laughs> so that is, like, he is 70-plus at that point. Yeah. Like, Magneto should also need a wheelchair at this point. Yeah, but don't you think Magneto looks like... He does look like he's about to die of natural causes, like, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Ian McKellen, God bless him, does not look like he's much long for this world. No, he hasn't aged as well as Mr. Stewart. No, uh, I think that he is... Uh, oh, no, they're the same age, aren't they? Are they? That's the big thing, is that they're really... They're, like, essentially the same age. I'll Google it later. But essentially, Magneto... Like, he looks so boss in the future and in the present. Like, Magneto is currently the best character in the X-Men movie series, in my opinion. Oh, God, yeah. Fastbender number one is amazing. Yes, he really is. I could watch like I want to see a Magneto, like an X Men Origins Magneto. Please, thank you. That was on the blocks for so many years, wasn't it? And like, do you know what I want to see is the X Men Origins Magneto of him looking boss in like a cool trench coat with a scarf, just walking around Magnetoing things. <laughs> Magnetoing things. Like, yes, please. When he leaves the, when Mystique jumps out the window and he just follows her down, like doing the Jesus arms, like <laughs> going down. It's like, wow, that's that is dark. Like that is some dark shit. And he's just like, I'm going to murder you. It's cool. Just come closer. <laughs> we had sex for a while and we're really good friends, but I'm going to murder the shit out of you. And he just doesn't care. He yeah, just knows what's going to be done. It has got to be done. Uh, I decide with Magneto way too often in all of these movies. Mm. I was going to say, like, the other thing that sort of I had a bit of a niggle about about the film is that I don't think... You know how the whole ending sort of hinges on uh, what's a chops not shooting the president? Yeah. Which is fair enough. But I still don't believe, after what Magneto did, that any of the people in America or the world over would be like, oh, no, I'll totally accept mutants then because she didn't shoot that one guy. This other guy picked up a stadium and dumped it on the grounds of the Pentagon and just wreaked fucking havoc all over everyone's faces. Like, he just went bananas in there and, like, straight up, squished a load of people and stuff by taking over these sentinels like if like as part of the human race i'd be a little concerned about mutants from that behavior and i'm you know like i probably wouldn't be thinking let's keep working on these terrifying murder robots because ah (laughs) so much can go wrong there but i'd probably still be thinking let's keep an eye on this situation like i don't buy that just because she didn't shoot the president that everybody would go right let's drop the sentinel thing let's just drop everything and let them do what they want because they're totally cool with us well like if i was the president like at that point i'm fairly certain that um, the american government wasn't 100 percent cool with like you know black people <laughs> so people who are essentially like the evolutionary equivalent of semi-gods a man who is, is proven to have essentially no limit in strength as long as something is made of slightly metal that stadium was probably a lot of concrete as well you know looks like you know buildings are kind of made of concrete mm-hmm I don't know, rather than the metal. I mean, that's just my personal point of view. 
So he's actually exerting some kind of power to keep all those bits together and not falling off the metal frames. Yeah. Well, it must be some, like, his his power just seems to have no limit. Like, he doesn't seem to struggle when he lifted, like, when he was lifting the stadium and controlling the Sentinels, it didn't seem to tax him in any no. way. He's, and like, it's... considering he's been in prison for a really long time, He's he's got so much better, because when you consider he couldn't even turn that satellite at the <laughs> In first class, he's like, balls, I just shit myself trying to do this. Like, <laughs> he just, yeah, he gives it so much effort and it, like, turns, like, half a centimetre. Yeah, he's, considering he's had nothing to practice with, really, <laughs> for quite a long time, he's uh, he's done a pretty boss job of sorting himself out. He was meditating. You saw that. That's... He had a room that was, like, square-shaped and he sat in the middle of all the diamonds and he meditated. This I would true. be so fucking bored if I was just meditating all day. I'd be like, give me a book, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, book, book. Books aren't metal. Let me have a book. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, just I think... One I'd... book. Just one. <laughs> You're just reading the same book for eternity. And it's like the fourth instalment of a Harry Potter series. Yeah, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> How does it end? No, it just gives know. you the Fellowship of the Ring and that's it. <laughs> like, enjoy. Pretty harsh. Hey, this sooner or later. Speaking about things that are boss, though, uh, we're completely neglecting to talk about um, Blink and that lot at the start. They're yeah, pretty, they're pretty badass. All the all the future X Men were great. It's cool to see so many like also ran characters like Warpath and Bishop and Blink get like l- legit screen time. Yeah. So I enjoyed that a lot. Me too. I uh, I could have to be honest I think the um I could have done with a bit more of that sort of business because it looked like the Sentinels were really really quick at learning how exactly to murder people which is fine because that's their job but I would have liked to have seen a bit more on, in the way of fighting and mm. the, the the design of the Sentinels really reminded me of that thing from Thor that I've forgotten the name of yeah the destroyer yeah uh it really reminded me of that and i couldn't get that out of my head which isn't the opening face bit yeah just really reminded me of that and i was not keen on that but i did like the fact that they looked different to the 70s ones because they could have easily have just had them look basically the same and i was like well no because this is the future it makes sense that it would evolve <laughs> i was just the one thing that i was thinking was that they just didn't look like sentinels like if you said that's a sentinel i'd be like is it <laughs> like it could be the Kwisatz Haderach for all I know. Like, it's pretty weird looking. And I love the opening sequence. Like, Brian Singer knows how to do a good opening sequence. Mm. Like, X-Men 2 and Days of Future Past have probably the bossest opening sequences. Like, when they just murder every single major character. <laughs> yep. And then they're like, nope, time travel. <laughs> like, seeing Iceman get crushed. And you're like, That was oh, so sad. His little frozen head. Yeah, and then like it happens like twice more. And you're like, God, <laughs> stop it! Yeah, it was... I like whatever his name is, Sean Ashmore. I don't know people's names. <laughs> I'm his so brother was Jimmy Olsen in Smallville. Ah, oh, I didn't really watch Smallville. I don't feel like, like I missed anything. They're like semi-identical twins. Uh-huh. So I for ages I was like, oh, Iceman's in Smallville now. But then <laughs> I was like, oh wait, they look very slightly different. He had a cool beard in the future as well. Yeah, he did. He, he was quite handsome. Not that you probably would have noticed, but I thought he was quite handsome. 
Yeah, I kind of see what you're going at. <laughs> that is, you know, one of the things that I really like about um, a lot of Marvel movies is that there's a lot of totty for me to look at. So even if it turns out that the film's pants, I'm like, well, at least it wasn't a wasted couple of hours because Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you talked to anybody about Winter Soldier yet? I mean, if we're on Marvel movies. I do, do you know, I don't know if I have. Probably, because I was absolutely fucking raving about the fucking thing. Because oh it's definitely the best Marvel movie ever. Hands down, yes. And I think I think what helped it for me was the fact that I didn't go in with very high expectations because I really hated First Avenger. Like, really. I loved First Avenger, and I went in with the highest expectations because Winter Soldier is one of my favourite comics of all time, like that original story. Yeah. And I went in like, this has better be fucking good, you know. <laughs> I'm never getting another comic about a dead sidekick coming back to life made into a movie. And then, Jesus Christ, was that movie good. Holy like, crap. It was tits. It just tits. held up so well. Like, the whole movie... Like, it was like two and a half hours, and it felt like an hour. They got everything right. and the. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but... <laughs> uh, okay, I'm still not 100% on the whole Black Widow thing. I'm still not sure how she's doing... I think she needs some solo time away from having her, essentially, her existence defined by male characters. Yeah. There was that for me that I wasn't keen on. And also, I just can't get behind What's-His-Chops Zola. Oh, yeah. Like, that voice. What voice are you doing? The fuck accent is that? I hated it. (laughs) I hated it in the first one. I hated it in this one. And I hated that whole scene, um, mostly because Zola's... The computer scene. Yeah, because um, I, I liked the idea of the actual scene itself. What my problem was, was that Zola's supposed to be pretty fucking smart. So he should know. Like, he has to keep Cap talking so they can dump a load of, like, bombs on his face. And he should know that there's a very small chance that Cap might actually survive that because Cap's pretty badass. So he has a perfect opportunity to feed Cap a metric shit ton of false information and leading him down the garden path like so far away from their actual plans. What does he do? Typical Hollywood villain thing of going, here's our plan, way! See, I think that he's like really smug there and Zola's never like Zola is scientifically clever but strategically stupid <laughs> and I think that he's the he thinks he's the cleverest person in the room, no matter where he is. And, like, Captain America isn't exactly, you know, like, he's not a Harvard scholar. He he dropped out of school, I believe, and he wanted to be an artist. But he's not thick. He, he kind of, he's like, yeah, I kind of know what's going on. It's kind of like the Superman thing as well. Like, whenever Batman walks into a room with Superman, Superman's IQ drops 100 points. <laughs> like, he's like, so you're saying... Lex Luthor's the villain. And then in the next issue, Superman will be like, now if I combine plutonium with this other element, like, <laughs> it's it's a genuine thing that you see all the time. And it happens to Captain America. Like, it happened in the Avengers. Like, he just was kind of like, I'm the guy who hits stuff and says America. <laughs> yeah, it's most noticeable in the scenes where he's arguing with Tony. Because uh, yeah, it's like Tony, <laughs> t- Tony and Bruce like sort of gang up on him. Like, yeah, but you're not clever like us, are you? It's like, oh, yeah. leave him alone. <laughs> He's cute. <laughs> oh, but yeah. yeah, well, Captain America, the Twitter Soldier was amazing. Yes, I cannot wait for the third one because I know they've got to pull something great out of their asses, mm-hmm. especially with the way the set, the Winter Soldier ended. Yeah. Uh, oh man, how are they going to get away though with? Quicksilver and that 
Because they can't be mutants, can they? Oh, I reckon they're going to be Inhumans. Uh, that's that... why they're hyping Inhumans so much in the comics. That Just would make sense. That would be a way to have people with powers who got them not throughout crazy science experiments. Although they were created by Hydra, I think, is what the rumour that's going around is. But they could use Terrigen, which could lead to an Inhumans movie at some point. But, like, the Inhumans have the biggest push at Marvel of all time right now. Mm. So, like, every character is an Inhuman or has Inhumans in their comic somehow. So I think that, that pro- they might have got the word down from Disney, like, hey, guys, we're, uh, we're thinking of making using Inhumans instead of mutants because we can't use mutants. Because oh, I was thinking now, like, after Days of Future Past, they're going to have to pull some amazing out of the bag with Quicksilver. <laughs> because, like... The costume looks better. Well, <laughs> I know a lot of people didn't like the costume. Like, I thought it was fine, but... Uh... The costume is awesome. It's essentially, like a modernized slightly darker colored version of the comics costume so it's like really dark black green uh with like lightning stripes that are quite kind of subtle and like fingerless gloves so it looks kind of like a badass black ops agent but he also has like green lightning bolts and shit nice and the guy who's playing him is cool like aaron taylor johnson's good he's english so he can probably do the european accent that's good then. I was just thinking, like, because that whole scene in the kitchen in Days of Future Past is going to take some topping, like, powers wise. Luckily, they got a year's warning on those effects. Like, <laughs> that's true. Actually, they've got like a bit of an advantage now, haven't they? Because they can just be more badass. <laughs> and also, they've got they can kind of shy away from Quicksilver as well if they don't have anything to do with him. So they can just focus it on Scarlet Witch, I guess. True. And Paul Bettany is being to play the Vision, which is great. Yep, yep. I'm all over um, most Marvel movies now. I'm a bit trepidatious about Ant-Man after the whole, like, things with Edgar Wright and stuff, like, going away from it now. Haven't they got some... They wanted to get the Anchorman director to direct it? (laughs) Yeah, apparently he can't do it, but he's sort of semi-signed on for, like, some sort of production-type situation, but... I don't know why they don't get... um, I think it's Joe Cornish from Adam and Joe. Mm -hmm. He wrote the script... So I don't know why they don't get him to direct it, because he directed Attack the Block, and that was great. See, I haven't seen that, but I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I would be completely happy with that. But I suppose I wonder if the changes that they want to make that caused Edgar Wright to go would be stuff that like Joe Cornish wouldn't be happy with either. Yeah, I don't know. they are rewriting the whole script, apparently. And they're still going to say it's going to be out like in a year or so? Yeah, it's out 2016. I, th- I say they're rewriting the whole script. They said they've got the Anchorman guy in to rewrite it. And uh, it would really suck if the first uh, Marvel movie to be not very good is the one that I was looking forward to. <laughs> I was going to say, I was really looking forward to it. I think it's because he's not a character that I'm that familiar with and I like going into the unknown kind of thing. And plus, Edgar Wright, man, he's a badass. Have you ever read um, Irredeemable Ant-Man? I haven't, no. You can, I think you can still get it in like trade form. Now, Irredeemable Ant Man is incredible. It's about a dick who gets the Ant Man costume. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a complete asshole. And he gets the Ant Man costume and he just starts accidentally like stopping crime. <laughs> and then, like, after like two issues, he gets invited to the Avengers and he like goes in and like shrinks down and just sits on the shower head and watches Miss Marvel in his shower. Oh, no. <laughs> like, the whole. <laughs> The whole series is about him being a huge douche. Like, 
he stole the Ant-Man costume from his best friend, who he let die, and then starts trying to bang his girlfriend. <laughs> and like, it's written by Robert Kirkman, and he had like he had like twelve issues to just write this hilariously over-the-top story about an absolute asshole who gets an super-powered costume, and it's really funny. I like, like the idea behind stuff like that because I do think there are occasions where you read some comics and you just think. <sighs> That's not what would happen if a real person got powers. Because <laughs> we're not cool and responsible like that. We're stupid and twats. Yep. <laughs> I would 100% have watched Miss Marvel in the shower. <laughs> I am totally down with that. Well, I was going to say, I was perving on Hugh Jackman earlier. I'd blatantly be in Wolverine's exactly. bathroom almost constantly. <laughs> Just hanging out. short and squat, though. Like, in the comics, I think yeah. Cyclops is kind of your guy, you know. I mean, like, he can't take his visor off. But it also means he might not be able to see you, so... You know. What are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm just saying that Sam. you can spy on Cyclops a lot easier than you can spy on Wolverine because he can smell you. Also, he's short and squat in the comic books and kind of weird looking. Yeah, but see, I, in my head, it's Hugh Jackman and he's beautiful. So. Joe Hugh Jackman to get in shape for all these X-Men movies in order to have the amount of popping veins that he has. <laughs> uh, gets up at 5am, eats a whole roast chicken and then spends like six hours working out. That's crazy. Like, that's his his regimen is to get up at five a.m. and eat a whole roast chicken. Like that's literally it. <laughs> like he roasts it overnight, gets up, eats the chicken, works out, and then like goes. I'm done for the day. That's my job for life. Oh, that's ridiculous. It's really weird, isn't it? I wish I could eat a whole roast chicken in the morning. But anyway, <laughs> he had a giant beard when he went on Jimmy Fallon. It was incredible. I do love a good beard. It's like probably one of the best coverages of looking like a fairly quickly grown beard and it's just like pointed and awesome <laughs> anyway anyway i've noticed that we're coming up on an hour and a half now of this rambling well that's not including the bit before we actually like introduced the show and we just rambled nonsense for like 20 yep. minutes then as well um but like there's so much stuff left on my list that i'm probably just gonna have to skip through most of it was there anything in particular that you wanted to talk about though I mean, I don't know, really. To be honest, I've, uh, I'm like tool. I'm months behind on a lot of comics. Mm. Uh, the only things that I really 100% keep up with are Spider-Man, obviously, because it's been amazing. Um, Daredevil. And I, I know not a lot of people read Daredevil. Love it. But that, yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing. Why wouldn't people be reading Daredevil? Stupid people. It's, it's kind of popular, but like literally, I, out of all my friends, because like, I frequent my local comic shop fairly often, and of all the guys that I know that go there as often as I do, maybe two or three of my friends are reading Daredevil, like out of ten, mm. which is crazy. Although I do think some of them share the comics around. But still, anyway, Daredevil does not get as much play as it should. Yep. Uh, I'm just trying to think, is there anything else that I'm really into? No, I mean, Daredevil and uh, Owen, I just, I'm catching up on Jonathan Hickman's Avengers because Jonathan Hickman's the best writer ever. See, I can't get behind his stuff really at tense. all. And yeah, it's so convoluted. Like, I can't remember what... Because I've got a terrible memory. I can't remember what happens from issue to issue. And even reading the, like, previously in Avengers stuff, half of it, I just read it and I go, I don't remember that at all, like, happening at all, because so much fucking shit goes down. got no idea. <laughs> I can't cope with it. Well, I loved... His Fantastic Four, I think, is probably one of my favourite comic runs of all time. But, you know, you did have to read it directly from the beginning, and I was lucky enough to get in on that first issue. Mm -hmm. And I was just... I read, like, uh, like six months' worth, and I was like, oh, wow, I'm 100% hooked now. And, you know, that was at the time when I was working in a shop, and that shop was full of people, nerds who love reading comics. So we spent a lot of our time talking about how great Fantastic Four was, mm -hmm. and that kept me in it. 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'll recommend Jonathan Hickman to anyone, but I always give the caveat that you can't miss anything. You have to read everything, and you might have to read stuff twice. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, like, I can't retain that much information. Therefore, I don't think he's for me. <laughs> I, I'm reading Avengers twice because I had no idea what was going on when I picked up the latest issue. Yeah. So I'm reading through it a second time. <laughs> oh dear. It's dedication. That is dedication. Oh, Invincible's amazing. Like, I, I think everyone knows that now, though, don't they? <clears throat> oh. Never read it. Uh, it's really good. I would highly recommend it. I've uh, been um, I've been basically just like... Because I've sort of fallen a bit out with DC of late as well, and I'm reading more Marvel stuff than I was. But I'm pretty much at the moment addicted to nearly everything that Image put out. So <laughs> I'm loving them at the moment. I had a, I had a little... Uh, I didn't cry, guys, because I don't cry at everything, but I did almost cry <laughs> at the last issue of Saga. I was like, oh! Oh, I've got two trades worth of Saga on my Comixology account because they oh were gosh. like 50p at one point, oh. but I've never read them. Well, I tell you what, Saga is genuinely like my go-to. Is it done now? No, I don't think so. My go-to comics, like every every month. If you were to say to me you've got to cut out all but like three comics, I think I'd still be reading Saga and Turtles and Deadpool. I think that'd be it. <laughs> if you said to, if you said cut it down to one, I would just be reading Spider-Man. That's it. Oh. Like, see, uh, I am really enjoying Spider-Man, my... but like, I just—he's <laughs> always been my favourite comic character, mm. and so it just happily lines up with the fact that his book is the best it's ever been. Yeah, and also that you know, my other favourite comic character, Spider-Man twenty ninety-nine, is heavily featuring in some issues. So it's pretty great all round, really. That's pretty good for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, it's kind of my renaissance. Mm. Aquaman was good for a while. That was really good for me. See, I liked it for like the first couple of issues, and now it sort of fell off a cliff for me. And this Aquaman and the others business is like fucking. Nobody gives a shit about these others. I've never heard of them before. I think I stopped reading every book in the New Fifty Two about ten weeks in. Wow. Uh, apart from Aquaman, which I stopped maybe thirteen or fourteen. Mm. I read Forever Evil, and I read every Summer Batman event, and that's all. Mm. I was going to say Batman yes. Eternal's pretty good at the moment, but that's really got nothing to do with anything else. Like it's just its thing, so <laughs> um, that's really good. I should probably pick that up actually. Like if people say, uh, if I'll read anything by Scott Snyder with Batman in, like he kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah. I can't think of anything else comics-wise. To be honest, again, I, I've fallen off the wagon when it comes to comics. Mm. I've been playing a lot more games recently. Oh, see, I need to start playing games. I am really bad because I just assume, I see a game that I want to play and then I assume I'm going to be bad at it so I don't play it. <laughs> like, I was so bad at Watch Dogs that I got so frustrated with the game that I almost broke my controller and decided that for my sanity I should get rid of it from my life. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I My housemate was like, you're going to break that controller because I was like wringing the handles <laughs> and like they were creaking and I was just screaming obscenities. Mm every time I would die for the 17th time in a row in the same part on the same mission. Oh, dear. See, uh, at least you're not as bad as me, because I have actually thrown a controller the once, and then I was amazed that it wasn't broken. I <laughs> threw it, but luckily threw it into a beanbag that was across the roof. <laughs> oh, that's quite handy. See, I just threw mine straight on the ground. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, fuck you! Slam. Well, no, I hope you're not broken. Uh, no, I'm but not... Yeah, so- you know, E3 has been good to me mm. because a lot of my favourite games are coming soon now. And I've been playing some super weird games that a lot of people may not have heard of. Oh. So I've been playing a game on the Vita called Danganronpa 
trigger happy havoc? No, nope, never heard of it. Okay, it's super weird. It's set at a Japanese high school, which is also um, completely blocked off from the outside world with metal um, slabs on the windows and all the doors are locked that lead outside. And during the day, you have to hang out with the group. There's like 15 people in the high school and you have to hang out with them and like you can choose who to hang out with and you can deepen your relationship with them and the deeper you get your relationship with someone sometimes they'll give you a special ability but then and then at night one of you will murder one of the others and then the next day you have to spend investigating the murder because if that person gets away with murder then they leave the school and you all die whereas if you catch them then uh, they die and you have to watch them get executed. Oh, but the only way to leave the school because you're imprisoned in there is to murder someone and get away with it. Wow. That it's super weird. Awful, but brilliant. <laughs> uh, and the trial scenes are like Phoenix Wright. Mm-hmm. So, like, people will, like, say blatant mistruths and you have to pick out exactly what they are. Um, it's super weird and it's really fun. There's an anime of it if anyone out there is interested in the story but doesn't own a Vita because I feel like I'm probably one of two people who does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and another weird game called Virtue's Last Reward. Again, another weird Japanese game, um, which is like it's a zero escape game, which is like a visual novel. So there's basically no gameplay in it. Um, there's some puzzles every now and then, but it's essentially just following the plot of this story that's already set out for you. Hmm. And uh, there are like 35 possible endings and each possible ending will give you a part of the puzzle which you need to solve the final puzzle to get the true ending. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing that for like three months and I'm still not... (laughs) Cripes. That being said, I mean, I can't pick on anybody for not finishing a game because on my list of things to do before I'm 30 that I created when I was 22 and I am now 28 is complete legend of zelda ocarina of time without getting my mom to do the spirit temple for me and i still haven't done it i don't I like zelda it. i just don't like it i love i love zelda I like but i think ones. it's i'd say i think it's because it's kind of perfect for people like me who enjoy playing games but get so invested that they can't play things that are like genuinely scary or like require genuine tactics like i just want a game where i run at things and swish a sword around and like stab things in the face and like slingshot shit like i'm i can't deal with games where you have to like like when rich was playing um what's it called it was the latest um grand theft auto i think there was like a that game's great like so great. <laughs> there was like a there was like a, a mission in there where you had to like sneak up on this gang and steal some or something like that, and uh, like it took him so long to do because every like single footstep he put in the wrong place, and if somebody found him, it was just like resulted in his immediate death. And I was like, I could not do that because the for a start the uh, the suspense of like trying to stay hidden would kill me. Like I'd probably have a small heart attack. But um, I can't be dealing with that level of, like, patience with a game. Like, I need to be able to just sort of go in and hit a few things with a stick and leave. <laughs> but I've got to say, I am now contemplating getting a Wii U because Mario Kart looks so amazing and I want it in my life. My list of things to own has a Wii U on it. It's down the list, but it is on there. <laughs> like, they're not even that expensive now. Like, when I, I used, when I worked for CEX until, like, six months ago... They were like 130 quid or 140 quid at that point, mm. secondhand. I mean, that was when the games drought was in full effect, so there might be more now. Yeah. But still not much for a current-gen games console, which will have a Zelda on it next year. Oh, yeah, I've, the seen, year the, um, I've seen the videos, actually, because they, they showed some at E3. 
um, mm. this past week. And that some of the, yeah, it looks pretty good, the new Zelda game does. It's a shame, though, because, like, Nintendo are like, we make all these things that you love, but with last generation's hardware, because it's a lot cheaper to manufacture. <laughs> and, See, like, the... I've got no concept of stuff like that, because, like, when Rich was uh, debating whether or not to get an Xbox One or a PS4, uh, we still haven't got either, by the way, um, but when he was, like, when they were both initially announced and he was, like, debating it, he was like, oh, but this one's got this and this one's got that, and I was just like, which one plays the bestest games? Can we get the one with the games what I like? <laughs> I went with the PS4. I will buy an Xbox One probably in the next 18, 20, 18 months, two years. Essentially, when I'm flush with cash, I'll pick one up. Mostly because like there are a couple of games that are only on there that I do want to play. Mm-hmm. But uh, the PS4 controller is amazing. The share features are great. And like what I was talking about to you earlier on, that you can do like a virtual talk show, is just hilarious. Like you can just stream out a virtual talk show on YouTube, and people can watch. People can send you comments. You know, you can do whatever the hell you want. It's just weird and fun. <laughs> it does sound good. I am getting very conscious of the time again now. Yes. Um. So, gonna wrap it up with some like rapid fire talking about shit what I have seen. Um. And that's mostly the fact that I've actually been to some gigs because one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to see more live stuff and talk about more music on the podcast because I always say hey it's pop culture it can be anything and then I never talk about music um so I've actually been to see this year so far St Vincent who was amazing and we saw her in a cathedral which was kind of brilliant um, in Manchester like she's got the perfect sort of voice and style to suit being in such a weird setting um because she's I think Technically, she's like Baroque pop, which I'm not even sure what that means. It basically means it's pop, but it's like fancy. It's like it's none of this Lady Gaga shit. It's like Like fancy. Fancy Um, synth pop sort of stuff. Yeah, it's wicked. I love her, and she's amazing, and she's kind of gorgeous, and basically I want to um, steal her entire life. Uh, but anyway, that that's creepy. Um, Solid choice. So she she was pretty awesome. And then I saw Janelle Monae who was amazing. She was so brilliant. And she did this very bizarre thing of making everybody sit down at one point so she could sort of like come and sit with us on the floor and like sing a song at us, which was brilliant, except for the fact that there was a guy about three people in front of me who just straight up refused to sit on the floor. (laughs) And so I was just like, well, I've, I've kind of got to be forced into this sort of half crouchy lean now so I can see around <laughs> him but not be the other douche who still stood up. So I was like, well, and I just looked like a right twat and my thighs were killing the following day. But she was like, I, me and Rich both walked out of that gig and we were like, how is she not more popular? Like, how does Katy Perry sell out arenas and Janelle Monet is playing like the HMV Institute and it's not even sold out? Like, how does that make any sense? But anyway... That's yeah. uh yeah, and uh then I went to see Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> Such a weird selection of stuff that I've been to. My favourite band of all time. Well, it's a funny one for me because I like I know a lot of their songs and I like a lot of them, but I've I'd never listened to a full album before this gig and I only went because Rich really wanted to go and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll go see I like the songs that I know, don't I? And uh, they were amazing. Like properly amazing. And then they uh, put on a really good live show as well. They really do. Like the lead singer's got fucking lungs, man. And um, He's also stacked like a brick shit out. <laughs> really is. It really is. And uh like the best part about that for me was that the Hand That Feeds is like one of my favourite songs ever. And yeah. they busted that and it was like perfect, like straight up perfect and I did a little bit of headbanging and being a bit of a knob because I can't really dance, so I just sort of throw myself around in a haphazard fashion. But that seemed yeah, to yeah. work. 
on all the records, so like when you listen to the actual like recorded version, he plays all the instruments and then they edit them all back all in. No so way. he like Trent Reznor does every single thing. So Nine Inch Nails is just him and he gets like session people in to go on tour. That's pretty badass. And then I got to go and see Prince for free. Oh, pretty great. <laughs> oh my god. It was like one of those things. It ended up actually being the night after we saw Nine Inch Nails. Um, but a friend of mine works for the LG group and that. And he just texted us and he was like, Oh, uh, got these free tickets. He texted us on the Saturday. He's like, Free tickets for Prince on Monday. We were like, Fucking snaffle them up. God. And he was just. Ugh. I can't even put into it. I'm not going to properly review it because it's Prince. Like, just, you need to experience it's it. It's Prince, man. Just go see it. Yeah. Like, if you ever get the opportunity to and you've got the money, like, do it because it you will not see anything better ever, I don't think, <laughs> in life. Um, uh, one of my favourite live bands that I've seen, I went to see Phoenix. I don't know if you've Oh, heard I love them. Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, Phoenix. They're amazing live. They put so much effort into their stage show. Mm. Like, they do, like... They, the guy like talks to everybody a little bit and you know kind of like you, you every, every indie band kind of gets really involved with the crowd but like they did this really cool thing where they went off stage and then like the instrumental track from wolfgang armadeus started playing yeah and then all the lights went off in like the whole place and then uh, a little led chain which went around the edge of all of their instruments all the way up all the cables and like all the way around so they were all linked together uh went on and then you realized they'd been on stage playing it the whole time no so way. they left and then when it went black they went came like straight back out and started playing again and it just sounded like they were playing it recorded but it was just amazing it was so cool oh i'd like to see them i think they're was it entertainment their last album yeah, I actually haven't listened to Entertainment yet. Probably. Oh, it's really good. It's really good. I like it a lot. I would like to see them live. But yeah, Prince was properly tits. Like the, the only thing I will say that was a bit like not annoying because you can't be mad at him because it, you know it's fair play. But he basically does a different thing at every show that he does. And so like there were like three encores, and we thought we'd seen all three of them because we looked online at like other shows that he'd done prior to the ones that we were at. And yeah. even though he'd played them in a different order, he had played all the songs that were like listed at these other shows. And um like he just finished the full 17 like minute version of uh, Purple Rain and Sweet. that every lights went dark house lights came up we all stood around for about 5 or 10 minutes just in case and we're like no he's not coming back out we leave the, a lot of us leave the arena he only fucking comes back and the bouncers won't let us back in um which was a bit annoying. So we missed like a couple of new tracks and I think um, I Would Die For You as well, we missed. Oh. Um, but when we looked, like, the worst thing was is when we looked online is that there were like some songs that he did at ours that he didn't do at other places and vice versa. And I was a bit sad because he didn't do Diamonds and Pearls for us, but he did at other gigs. And I was like, oh, fucking love that song. Um, but I can't complain because Raspberry Beret. So. Yeah, Raspberry Chow. Beret is pretty great. Ciao. Um, you, you should do a Spotify playlist for all your fans. <laughs> just make like a, a 20 track playlist of uh stace's favorite chowns i tell i do you know i think it'd be the weirdest bunch of songs that like everybody would be like what the shit is this <laughs> well uh everybody at my work didn't really know what my music taste was like they were like oh you like you know grunge and rock and stuff and i was like well kind of like I like industrial and post-rock, and they were like, what are all of those things? And I was like, okay. And then I was like, I also like, you know, I like 
some pop stuff and I like some like dubstep and I like some really like I my music taste is the most eclectic mm-hmm. I think of many people I know like if I made a my top 10 tracks of the moment playlist it would be like a Nine Inch Nails track a radio tra- head track like a Katy Perry track <laughs> like uh, uh you know a St Vincent track like it would be weird mm. and I made a I made a quick playlist and was like oh guys this is all the stuff I'm listening to right now like 20 or 30 tracks and they were like fuck is this (laughs) yeah i'd know mine would be the same because like yeah if you were asking me to set one up now i'd probably have like because i'm on a bit of a prince kick i'd have a prince song and i'd probably i've got this weird obsession with lady gaga even though i know she's terrible i love lady gaga everything about her yeah i should hate i should hate her i should really hate her but i love her and i'm going to see her in october and i'm very excited about it have you seen her snl it's really funny no i probably should she hosted a musical guest at snl a little while ago and she did um a sketch which was set in the future uh and she was like she's living in this apartment building and she's like 80 and keenan from keenan and kel is <laughs> regulars on snl i love he, him yeah he goes up to service her lamp like she's like oh my lamp's broken and she he comes in and she's like She's like she basically is making loads of references to the fact that she was famous constantly, like veiled references that she was Lady Gaga and that she was really famous, and also that she still thinks she's really hot even though she's eighty, and she keeps like slipping her robe and things like that at him, and Keenan's like ignoring it completely, and she's like, "Don't you know who I am? I was Lady Gaga. I have so many platinum albums and all this." And he goes, "Oh, sorry, I'm more of a classic rock fan, you know, One Direction, that sort of thing." <laughs> Oh, One Direction. No, that's one thing I can't get behind. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's many One Direction songs on my hit list. <laughs> Probably none. <laughs> Thank God. Anyway, uh, we are now rocking up to the hour and 50 minute mark, so... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a waffler. No, that's fine. No, see, this is the problem that I have, is that I'm a waffler as well, so and <laughs> I need to get people on the show who are, like, short to the point, so I can be like, oh, okay, finished. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not uh, not good at this hosting malarkey. Um, Ten-minute podcast about Stephen King books. Go. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be actually pretty easy for me, because I think I've read maybe two. Uh, so yeah anyway um, yep. th- I don't think there was anything else I was going to talk about so if you're all done then I'll just do the plugs and shit and then we can fuck off to bed like yeah well I would just say to everybody don't trust the reviews don't play Watch Dogs it's not very good <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's okay it's just really frustrating yeah I've heard that the, the game plays a bit like if you die at a certain spot you've got to do like a whole thing that took you three hours again and yeah that uh that was what the, the frustrated the most the mission i died was kept dying on was like a three or four wave mission and i would die on like the fourth wave and then have Eesh. to redo the whole thing again Eesh. not nice it's like when there's a specific story point where they can cut it they should always cut it and they just don't do it they just don't understand modern checkpointing and it's cool you know i understand it like that's the way they wanted their game to be they wanted it to be harder they mm-hmm. wanted it to be realistic but you know if i can finish and really enjoy gta 5 a game which is essentially gta 5 with minor superpowers should be as difficult as it is anyway <clears throat> yep <laughs> word of the day right well in terms of plugs the only thing i've got is updates on the live show that's absolutely terrifying to me and i don't know why exciting, I've exciting. It. no it's exciting it's exciting but like the thing that i'm really scared of is that i'm really bad at talking to new people <laughs> and new people that i admire is like an extra level of terrifying and then um, now that i've managed to bag a few more guests it's like gotten extra scary but 
I have now actually chosen a site that I'm going to broadcast through. So um, go to your web browsers and go to Mixler. That's M-I-X-L-R dot com forward slash S-P-C-P dash live and save that into your favourites because on Saturday the 12th of July at 9 o'clock UK time, that's where we'll be starting the broadcast. And in terms of who we've got on the show now, oh, so many people. Um, I'm dreading it. I'm really going to... I might be sick uh, on the day. <laughs> Just <laughs> fair warning to anyone who's coming on the show, I might bath. Um... I've got like there's like a bunch of like other podcasting folk which is great like um Lee Grice and Luke Foster and like lots of other people who've been on the show before who are lovely and I'm very excited to talk to them again but I've also got uh Paul Cornell, Pat Loika, Jerry Duggan, ah um, <laughs> Adam Hughes, ah <laughs> I'm basically going to shit myself. Wow. And yeah. I'm um, in very illustrious company. I am so frightened there's like i've got lee gallagher again which would be nice to talk to him bevy smithson andy Ewington, um jamal i need to figure out how to pronounce his surname igor it's igor i've heard igor before thank god i might actually just email him beforehand and ask you know so i don't look like a fucking div on my show (laughs) you should say just you should just say igor throughout the whole thing just call it corrects you yeah, Even just, if he corrects you. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, also, because, like, the problem that I've had is that I've asked, like, a metric shit ton of people and had a lot of either no's or just straight up no replies um, that I can't get any women involved. <laughs> <laughs> like, aside from me and the co-host, who will be uh, my lovely friend Jenny, there's I've got Brenda from Geetrus coming on for a little, a little slot, and I think that's it for other women that are going to be on the show. So uh, I've got a couple of slots left, not many, but if you're a bird... And and you're involved in like comics or telly or movies like drop me an email stacysparlor at gmail.com and uh, get in on this shit because it's looking pretty penis filled right now which um yeah i'm terrified of it but i'm excited and hopefully like i'm really nervous about the target that i've set i'm just giving for this because i thought i'd set quite a sensible target of like it's, i think i put 750 quid which um because it's for operation smile that actually equates to like five operations and then i've been talking to a few people and they're like oh cool that's a lot of money in it and i was like oh shit is it <laughs> fake um so hey, if you've got paul cornell on i'm sure he can spare <laughs> 750 quid <laughs> like, Look, paul, i know that the gift of your time is valuable enough but however i heard they pay you real money for the things that you do whereas <laughs> i'll do this for free so <laughs> put some in yeah i'm really i'm really scared i'm just like really hoping that like i just want to hit the target really i mean i'd be it'd be great if i could exceed it like be totally wonderful but i think if i get to the end of the 24 hours and i haven't hit the target i I might just cry (laughs) not live on air i'll have stopped by then but What, what you do is you get every one of your listeners to just donate like five pounds if it gets close, you're like, guys, look, just put a fiver in. Look, I'll, I'll sort you out. I'll get you a drink. Just slip me a fiver now. Well, what's really sad was I was thinking of putting a donation in there myself because, like, if I were to do a race for life or summer, I would pay, like, £25 to do that race to, like, get the shirt and the place on the the race and that so i feel oh. like just doing the podcast isn't quite enough but then i think are people going to think it's really sad if i put a donation onto my own just giving page just it anonymously because <laughs> <laughs> i just thought how sad is that going to be if it's just like oh hey me yeah good luck with your show me have a good and love me <laughs> <laughs> like a proper twat um so yeah i'm hoping that i can get to 
I just think that I'm just hoping that the guests who are coming on will like really pimp the show so I can get loads of loony, new listeners in who can then like sort me out with some dosh. <laughs> <laughs> Love you guys. Please donate what you can. Love you. Well, I don't yeah. know. I don't know any girly geeks to, who I could offer to come onto your show. I do apologise. Yeah, I well, think, I mean, uh, my, my girlfriend isn't indoctrinated enough yet. <laughs> uh, she, the first time she came to my flat, she noticed my Captain America shield on the wall, and she was like, "That's pretty cool." So she's halfway there. That's nice. Yeah, I was going to say, at least she didn't go, oh, you're one of those, and backed slowly out the door. Yeah, you see, I think the problem is that you can't really get far into my house without realising that I'm a huge nerd. <laughs> like, I have framed comics above the bed, yep. and I have the Captain America shield on the wall uh, with a V for Vendetta mask above it and a the copy of the Wednesday comics hardcover on, like holding the shield up <laughs> see in our house you just walk in and you think you've walked into a toy shop <laughs> literally every surface is covered with some sort of action figure so well next flat when i have more space action figures are my priority yeah i need more bullshit yeah. i've got a lot of spider-man lego that i got for my birthday but you know i've got a lot of tmnt lego that um i had to clear part of the mantelpiece to put up because i was like it needs to be out <laughs> not keeping it in the box right i feel like i've taken up way too much of your listeners time and possibly <laughs> uh ruined slash destroyed your episode no so. it's, it's it's fine and uh yes so, no i think you've done a re proper good job i mate um and i'm right. just uh i'm happy that you were to come on the show because i'd run out of people on my list that reminds me uh if you want to come on the show drop me an email or tweet me stace bob t on the twitters um just, uh, if you ever missing a guest give me a shout because i can normally do, i can normally free an evening and you said you record on tuesdays and thursdays which are the evenings my girlfriend works so that's quite handy yeah it's very lucky for you it's quite it's quite handy, isn't it? Cool. Um, well, thank you for coming on. I know I just sort of pounced on you because I was very aware of the fact that you watched How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who can I rant with? Sam, come here. No, it's been lovely because we haven't chatted for like a billion years, so that was nice. I well, think. if you like, we could do maybe a big summer TV roundup or something. I don't know how you how you do that, but I know there's a lot of summer shows coming up, and as you know, I'm obsessed with American TV, mm. so... I'll end up watching most of the pilots. I watched every pilot this pilot season. Wow, that's quite impressive. Uh, don't watch Dads, it's garbage. <laughs> I don't think I had any intention to, to be honest. I've just started watching, total tangent, a programme called Undateable, and that I've basically fallen in love with. I totally watched that, it's Ron great. Ron Funches, I fucking love Ron Funches. Like, he's just, oh, he's so cute. I just want to, oh. anyway... That's... Me and Fiona both watch. Uh, we've started watching it together, and she absolutely loves it. I love she it. She was snorting with laughter <laughs> at uh, the episode when they do the they do the swap. He's like, "Oh, uh, do you ever imagine two girls would come over?" He's like, "Yep." And now we swap. Like she was crying. I uh, I just love that fa- the fact that that one guy keeps busting out into like Backstreet Boys songs and. Stuff. Oh, he's so great. I love him. Have you watched Ground Floor? No. Okay, Jenny from, uh, not Jenny, I can't remember what her name is. The girl that Backstreet Boys guy loves. Yeah. She is in another sitcom from the same maker uh, where she's the star character. It's her and the love interest from Pitch Perfect. And the whole show is about how he loves singing and being a stockbroker. (laughs) And she works in like the admin department on the bottom floor. And it's hilarious. Uh, It's by the Scrubs guy. And it's got uh, Dr. Cox is the CEO and he's absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, 
highly recommended. She's very funny in it. Uh, and she's also quite hot. So, you know, the whole series really works. I think I can convince Rich to, uh, to Dan, because he loves Scrubs as well. Like, Yeah, so, yeah, she was, uh, her name's Brigger Heelan. She was in Cougar Town and uh, Ground Floor and, uh, what's it, Undateable. And they're all run by the guy who created Scrubs. Nice. I love how we can't even end an episode properly. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's I, all right. I'm really, really bad at tangents. Like, I am the worst. That's why my friend spent 10 hours editing our podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, I can see I can see why that stopped happening. <laughs> no, but the it's... live show, the live show will be great. I just need to actually work out how to do it. Oh, I might no. need to buy a desk. Yeah, that, that would be helpful, I think. I'm going to have to, uh, when I do my live podcast, it's going to have to be from my kitchen table, <laughs> which is going to be, like, the least comfortable thing ever. And I'm sure by, like, about hour eight, I'll be like, oh, my fucking arse hurts. <laughs> Stupid kitchen chairs. Pace um, around, get a wireless microphone. Oh, no, I'm too scared of that. <laughs> Can't do it. Anyway, I'll let you go. Yeah, let's... Uh, let's... About half an hour. <laughs> Good times. I'm sure so Rich is sitting downstairs. Three beers like... in an hour. Yeah, I think Rich is probably sitting downstairs as well, thinking I want to go to bed, get out of the bedroom, because I am currently recording on my side of the bed. So, ah, happy days. Anyway, thank you again for coming no on at such short notice. Well, it's been jolly good, and I will... Oh, shit, I've just realised this is the last podcast before the live show. Oh, God, guys, listen to it, and don't make me be a sad loner talking to myself on the internet. I'll, I'll listen for some of it when I'm not working. <laughs> Oh, now I'm getting terrified. Um, yes, mixloud.com forward slash spcp dash live. Yeah. Okay, cool. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> uh, also, goodbye to you, Stace. I'm now going to the toilet. So enjoy. <laughs> Fair enough. Ta-ra. Yes, bye. <laughs>